Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Okay. So, if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalm 33 today. And um, we're going to read through it. We're going to talk about it. And uh, it's just a wonderful psalm that I have been going through the Psalms the past this past week, I guess. That I've been. Uh, <clears throat> In my my reading, and there's hard to pick what you want to talk about, but um, but all right, we'll open up with prayer here. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day, for this Sabbath, and even though it's stormy and snowy and icy out, I thank you that we can be here. I pray that one day, uh, all over your earth, God, you would raise up congregations where you know. Uh, if possible, people could just walk there. They, they wouldn't have to be, you know, stopped by driving or not. And uh, I just thank you for the Sabbath and that no matter what the weather is, it always happens. And uh, we can still praise you and read your word and study and learn of you. And I just ask that you would teach us today, uh, conform us to your word, uh, change our hearts and our mind, uh, energize us with your spirit, and... Um, that we would then be able to go and walk forth uh, and represent you. So I thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right. So, yeah, I was reading um, reading through Psalm 33, and uh, the Psalms to me are just so great because you have such a spanning of emotions of the writers. It goes from, you know, rejoice in God at all times, you know, no, uh, speak to him, declare his name to the nations, and then it goes to the to the downward valleys of, you know, why have you forsaken and cast us off, O oh God? You know, remember us and have mercy on us and return to us. And and for me, I feel like that's oftentimes the the roller coaster of my life and emotions, living especially in this di- in the diaspora, waiting for Yeshua to return and establish his kingdom on the earth, because really that's what we're yearning for. I mean I long to live in the land of Israel because it is my land, it's our inheritance, it's the land God has given to his people. But truly what we're yearning for in our hearts is for the restoration of the kingdom of God, right? You know, that's why when Yeshua came, he said, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning his rule and his dominion is here and uh, he is setting it up. But a dominion and a rule for it to be functional and to work and to have a king, you know, you need a people that listen and obey and that love the king. And so that's ultimately, you know, what we're yearning for. And so that's what you see in the Psalms because, you know, I oftentimes tend to think like, man, it must have just been like a little slice of heaven on earth when the temple was up and David was on the throne and, you know, the land was at peace and God had conquered their enemies but even, but even then, you, you read and in, in what David talks about, and, and it really wasn't yet, you know. It's still a fallen world. It's still sinful, and it's still this struggle of, um, you know, constantly trying to conform our wills and our hearts and our mind to God's Spirit that now is living within us, that is supposed to be motivating this new man that has been born forth from the word, seed of the word of God, and um, 
So all these things go through my head as I as I read the psalm. So we're going to read through this, and I'll probably stop and, and comment along the way um, because there's just so many pertinent points. You know, the other thing I I was thinking about this week, driving around and talking to my different clients, and it's interesting because you know some clients you get into political discussions, and others you don't, and um, I don't peg hole into any. Sp- side of the spectrum easily. And so um, I end up being able to be in a neat position to really talk to all my different clients from all different walks of life. And But although not perfectly, you know, I try to, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. And it doesn't even matter who's in Congress and in the Senate. What matters is what the people are doing in their lives, their values and their morals and their actions that they take. To me, what typifies what's going on in our nation and in the world today is people shirking their responsibilities and looking to someone else to do it for them. Be it a president, being at a Congress, being at the United Nations, Al Gore, I don't care who you want to put up there, but it's the shirking of their own responsibilities because if anyone in their own life, in their own home, lived with, under the reign of God and His word and His rulership and actually did what His word said, these problems would be fixed. But because we don't, chaos ensues. And so when I'm there with my clients, what I try to do is, is if I can, steer, and some, some of them, you know, outwardly hate the Bible, but... Um, even still, I try to turn some of them and say, you know, look, there, what, what has happened today uh, is we are a people who are a law unto themselves. You know, we have this thing that's pervasive in the society that it doesn't matter what you do in your own home. You know, as long as they're doing it in their own home and they're in, or in their own life and they're not hurting anyone, it's okay with me. You know, it doesn't really matter. But that that is exactly, um, exactly the reason that we have the problems we have today. Because what you do in secret, in your own home, when nobody else is looking, is the foundation of what happens in the seats of our government. Because it all germinates from there. And so, this, this, what's going on in our hearts and our minds, and our thought processes and our beliefs, is what builds a society. And that's what God knows. And so that's why he tells us in his word, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Harden not your heart. Be born again and transformed because your heart is black with sin and utterly wicked and no man can know it. And we need to repent from that and turn from that and realize we're a depraved, wicked people. You know, we have to, the world has to see and the world has to understand and we have to profess this truth of the word of God that we are not the answer for ourselves. We are the problem, you know, and that whatever you conjure up in your own head is just the depraved state of what's going on in your fallen mind and your fallen world. And so we have to have something above us that dictates what is right and what is wrong. Otherwise, we will, we will build an edifice for ourselves to which we bow down to 
that will only lead us to destruction. And so people set up their own false gods in their lives, be it, be it the, uh, the, uh, the you know, political leadership, uh, be it environmentalism, uh, health, uh, all these things we set up for ourselves to give us purpose in our life. And don't get me wrong, all those things in our life are important, but it must stem from, it must germinate from the Word of God and Him as the authority. Otherwise, we'll just continue to descend. And so, as I go about, you know, I try to pull people back to the Word of God and say, you know, He gave us all the information, you know. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because one of my clients was like, you know, uh, our president confesses to be a Christian, but I don't know what Bible he's reading, you know. And, and she's right, but at the same time, the other side of the coin is the same Bible that she reads, he reads, supposedly, if either of them really read it, you know, without getting into the details of her personal situation, um, you know, we've gotten very comfortable in our nation and as a world as a people, and this stems from, uh, let me finish my thought, it, we've gotten very comfortable with picking and what, choosing what we think we should be doing out of God's word. And we say, that's not what it means to me. Or, well, I think. First off, it doesn't matter what it, the word of God means to you. Or, or I should, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what a particular topic means to you. Be it Christmas, be it um, homosexuality, uh, abortion, you know, just to pick the headlining ones. It doesn't matter what it means to you. It matter what... God says about it. Now, if you out and out reject what God says, and you don't think there is a God, then you, that's basically tyranny of the masses. And so, basically, what that ends up being is, if th you know, three out of four people get together and say, we're going to eat the person number four, then, then that is a, a law unto itself. But, obviously, that doesn't bode well for the fourth person. And so we have to have something above humanity that, that tells us what to do. And that is the Word of God because He created all things. And so, um, I, thought I, was, I forgot what I was going with that thought. But anyway, let's get into our text. So, you know, I don't know. I was just try, trying to, you know, in my, my own walk, because I've been convicted about this lately, you know, turn people to the Word of God and, be like, and, and explain it. And especially during this this time of the year when uh, that there holiday, which we do not speak of, uh, comes around, it actually ends up being a good opportunity to witness uh, to, um, to other people and be like, well, no, we don't celebrate Christmas, and here's why. Because it's something that uh, was, was added in later and is not scriptural. God told us to not worship and serve Him the way the nations do. We are to... Worship him the way he said to. And that's what the whole book of Exodus is about. He took him out of Egypt and a myriad of all kinds of false religions and ways brought him, them to the mountain and said, this is now your culture, your laws, everything. You know, it is your constitution. It's who you are as a people. And those people who profess Yeshua as their Messiah and follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, this word is our culture. It's our holidays. It's our calendar. It's what we do with our animals. It's what we do with our money. You know, and everything else will crumble and fall. All right, so let's read Psalm 33. 
Psalm 33, rejoice in Yehovah, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. I read this verse and uh, thought, man, you know, throughout the day, I don't, I'm not often rejoicing in God. <laughs> I'm more like complaining at God oftentimes, you know, woe is me and woe the state of the world and all these things. Instead of, you know, we're to have a countenance and a, and a presence of rejoicing in God because we are a redeemed people and changed and we can rest in that and we're his children and it's awesome. And so we're to rejoice in Yehovah, O you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. We're to be righteous. Praise Yehovah with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and with an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of Yehovah is right, and all his works are done in truth. So I find it interesting. You know, I often wondered, like, why, why did God even bother with music? Like, I, I don't know exactly, except that music connects with every people and everyone across the whole globe. I mean, I guess there's some people out there that, uh, like my grandmother, who never listens to music, but <laughs> but, I, but music is kind of a universal thing, and, and God made us, as I think, a, as a you know, human race to, uh, you know, music does something to you, vibrationally. You know, we know that on a physical level that it affects our, our minds and our, and our physical being. And so... Combining music with worship of him and praise of him is uh, something we're to do. And, um, and, and obviously, he gets glory out of it. Verse 4, for the word of Yehovah is right and all his works are done in truth. You know, that's such a powerful statement, you know. For the people who, who say that they serve and obey and follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Yeshua as their Messiah, you know, this one verse is so pertinent. The word of Yehovah is right. You know, is the word of Yehovah right? Most professing people believe that parts of the word of God is right. Or most of it. Or some of it. Or the first half is. Or the last half is. Or the you know first half or the second half. But... All of the word of Yehovah is right. And all his works are done in truth. You know, we can't, the, the word of God, does. if you take it at face value, does not give you the option to pick and choose. It just doesn't. And so what that means for us as his people, it means a lot. It means in this fallen world, you're not going to be popular. What you say isn't going to jive with the common culture. You're going to be a little bit of a pariah because of it and a stigma. But what, what, I, what I've tried to do, what I'm trying to do, hopefully in our congregation and maybe in these messages that people might listen to and on our website and, and even in my own life with the people and co- uh, uh, clients that I come into contact is get them to see, you know, see the truths and the value and the beauty of the word of God and what he has created and done and 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 explain the scriptures because people don't know people really most people don't know the scriptures they know what they've been told about the scriptures and so they've been told Jesus is love they've been told 
You know, in the Old Testament, you know, God was pretty angry. You know, they've been told a lot of things about the Word of God, and so they'll say that they believe the Word of God and they follow it, but then, you know, you'll rationalize whatever thing you want to rationalize. The Sabbath's done away with. Homosexuality's okay. It's all right if I choose to have an abortion. You know, it's okay if I celebrate Christmas. You know, and so they will rationalize everything away because they really don't know what the Word of God says. But if the Word of God is right and all His works are done in truth, it doesn't give us the option to pick and choose. And so we really have to get people to come to grips with, wait a minute, if you're saying, you know, as a, a you know, professing Bible believer person, you know, and our president isn't following it and he's not understanding it while you live a debauched lifestyle, you know, if you're going to profess the word of God, then, you know, take it at what it says. And so uh, it's my hope to pull people back to the word of God and say, you know, God created his, he gave us his word to create heaven on earth, really. Because if we do all his commandments, it will be as the days of heaven on earth. And so, it creates a climate and an environment in which everything functions as it's supposed to. And so we need to be able to, as believers, know our Bibles, know the whys of the different scriptures. For instance, you know, people will use the word of God and say, oh, that's why women are so downtrodden and, you know, misogynistic these days is because of religion. And what we need to stand, be able to do is stand up and say, well, you know, not, you know, bash them in the face with it, but instead say, well, actually, it is the scriptures that give a, um, a well-founded, per- uh, what am I trying to say? A, a, it protects women. It sets up boundaries and protections and checks and balances for women. It holds up and sustains and maintains that there are roles for the different genders, There are male roles and there are female roles. That's the way God created everything. If you reject that there isn't male or female, I don't know what to tell you. But if you see that there is male and female, then there are roles. And so each role then has specific things for that. And God is the one who decides what that is. And women are protected within that because they are the weaker vessel and that's not a derogatory statement. It is the way God designed it to be. And so what they need to see is God's mercy and his love and his faithfulness towards both genders that he has created. And also that there are specific jobs and roles that the male has to do and that he is supposed to fulfill. And we have a big responsibility to carry. And when both do as they are supposed to before God, it works the way it should. It's when it gets out of balance that things happen. And so, you know, we're, we live in a society as well. Uh, you know, I want to do, you know, a woman should be able to do what she wants with her body. Well, nobody gets to do what they want with their body. Men don't get to do what they want with their body. We do what God tells us to do with our body. You know, these are statements that are unfounded. So the word of Jehovah is right and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of Jehovah. He loveth righteousness and judgment. You know, what is righteousness and judgment? It's only what the word of God tells us, the Torah in his scriptures, from beginning to end. It is not whatever we define it as. 
So righteousness and judgment are defined by the word of God. And the earth is full of the goodness of Yehovah. Truly it is. You know, it's functioning. It's um, what he has given us from it to provide for us. It's full of his goodness. And we need to see that. And it is his environment. You know, we... Again, he created it to function according to his word, you know. We and if we as a people would obey his word, as all if all the earth would obey his word, we wouldn't be having the environmental quote unquote problems that we have. It's not because we don't have enough government regulations. That's not the answer. The answer again is what are you doing in your personal life? before God with his word. Because if you are living as you should, according to his word, you will be a good steward of what he has given you. Plain and simple. I mean, the, the Bible has very strict um, uh, animal care laws in it. You know? And so, we are held to an account for what we're supposed to do with his creation. Six, by the word of Yehovah were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. His word is what founded all things. He created it by, by his words. He spoke, and it was created. Uh, we know that now um, all matter has a vibration to it. And it is his word lived out, again, that this energy that comes from him that sustains and maintains all things. And, you know, physicists and geneticists, as they look into the way that God has constructed the universe, it declares His glory. It speaks of Him because it's held together, and they know this, by unseen forces that we nobody's seen. We know it's there because we see the effects of it on visible matter, but it's held together by God, by His Word. Seven, he gathers the water and sea together as a heap. He layeth the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear Yehovah. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. You know, we lose perspective and awe. And I think part of it is because we get so detached in our lives and we get busy and we don't take time anymore to detach a little bit and take in his glory and his magnitude and his magnificence in, in the world and the universe he's created. I mean, it's, you know, if you're out on this ocean or you're out on a lake and you just suck in that peace, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but like, or you're up hiking a mountain and you see just far off and all the hills and the glory of a beautiful tree, it's just it all speaks of him. You know, there's order to it all. Let all the earth fear Yehovah. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Yehovah bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people. None effect. Hallelujah. That's, uh, you know, boy, if he didn't, we'd be in trouble. Because uh, the counsel of the heathen, it will come to nothing. Because it's not, again, founded on the word of God. And all that is not built on that, in the way he designed everything to be, will suffer entropy. It will break down. All political systems and national systems will fall apart if they are not based and, and structured according to the word of God. You know, I no longer see myself as a um, uh, 
Whatever, I don't want to, you know, define yourself politically. People always want to define you politically. You know, are you a conservative? Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? It's like, I am a biblical theocrat, you know? In other words, I believe the Bible, and God is my king. And that ends it. That is what, what God is and how he has set it up to be. You know, uh, even in our American world, you know, we get a lot placed on freedom. But freedom is contained within. True freedom is only available when there is laws that are followed and guidelines that are followed. But those guidelines have to be biblical because the truth will make you free. You know, the word, my, thy word is truth. Take my yoke upon you, you know, and you'll be easy. Because if you don't have God's word as your governing structure over you, something else will be of default, whether you make it yourself or some other group that makes it for you, government, whatever. And um, that will, anything that's not born forth from God's word will slowly break down. So the... Uh, 11, the counsel of Yehovah standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Again, such another important verse. You know, for us to understand as a people and for the world to understand, his word does not change, his counsel does not change, his heart does not change. We do not get to evolve. We must be re- restored back unto his ways, restored back unto his word and his laws to correct and to sustain life on the earth and families uh, and, and things. You know, we don't get to willy nilly change our minds or change his mind. You know, his counsel standeth forever in the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is Yehovah, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And there's only one people he's chosen for his inheritance, and that's Israel. That's why you have to be, as Paul says, grafted into Israel. That's why there is no quote-unquote church as we like to think of it today. Church as it is used in the Bible are those who are the true remnant of Israel that follow Yeshua. Is what it is, because it also talks about the church in the wilderness. And so it is those who follow, trust, and believe in, in Yeshua, and they are in him grafted into the children of Israel. And that is who his people are. 13. Yehovah looked from heaven and beholded all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. So all these edifices we build, all these things we make, they're all crumble. They're all, you know, they're they're not of God, and so they will not stand. Behold, the eye of Jehovah is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope. In his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. I love that. The eye of Yehovah is upon them that fear him. You know, we don't have much fear of God anymore these days. But the, be, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why we don't have much wisdom these days. And so God's eyes are upon those that fear him. And to fear him is to 
know his word and to do it and to act on behalf of it. You know, there's not enough fear in, in this, in this day and age, you know, it's the fear of God should make you think twice about what you do in your life. It should make you have a little bit of angst, have a little bit of fear about what will happen if you disobey. You know, but we tend to think like, oh, God will forgive, you know, God's a God of mercy, it'll be all right, you know. I'll just say I'm sorry. It's like, no, there's still consequences. Even in the talk, when you um, did something wrong, even though you could bring a sacrifice, you could, you could confess your sin, you could be forgiven, there were still consequences for that. And sometimes the consequences were death. And so, you know, th- there needs to be a healthy fear within the people. But, you know, nowadays, there's no fear in anything. And so... People run rampant because there's no consequences that are ensued. There must be consequences. Even if there is repentance and there is uh, forgiveness, there are still consequences. Because justice must be employed. You know, because God is a righteous God and a holy God. And the only thing, the only the only way he, you can be um, uh, a remo- have those consequences removed on an eternal level is something or someone, Yeshua, taking your place for those consequences because of the wages of sin is death. Death, hebraically, is separation from God. That's why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And so because death ensued, to be able to have covenant again with God, to be able to have a relationship with God, that, was, that consequence, that separation Someone had to take that. And the only one who could do that is God himself. And so he had to come in the flesh, Yeshua, and bear that on himself so that we could be reunited with God and to be brought back into covenant with him for all time. All right. 20, verse 20. Our soul waiteth for Yehovah. He is our help and our shield. That A lot of times you'll see that word wait. Um, it's not... The word, um, like, it, typically when you read it in the Bible, it's not uh, like sit around with your arms folded on a chair. It's more like, picture in your mind a waiter. They're waiting tables. They're waiting on tables. They're not sitting there waiting, on, waiting for the table to do something. They're, they are, it's, it's, it's an active word, actually. It is, it is serving, doing, you know, picture a waiter. They're busy. They're, they're watching that table. They're serving it. They're attentive. They have prepped. You know, it is intense. We are to wait on God. You know, so this is a very active word. It's, it's a word, it it's, uh, has a lot wrapped into it. it. It requires a life of intentional patterns built in so that we can be effective for God. You know, it's not, I'm just going to stand here and wait for God to shoot lightning and, you know, revive me. No. You know, it takes work. It takes training. It takes commitment. Anybody who's done anything successful in their life, it's not, it's rarely because it ever just falls out of the sky for them. They put thousands of hours of work and, 
intentional purpose into it. You know, athletes or successful business people, they, they give themselves to that. And we are to give ourselves to God. And we're going to fashion our lives around his word so that we can wait on him. So that we can be effective waiters for God. You know, we've lost that as a culture. We, we expect everybody, God to do it all for us. You know, and sometimes he does reach out, but that is of his prerogative that he does in certain occasions when there's nothing we can do otherwise, and it's usually for the preservation of his people. Yeah. He is our help and our shield. 21, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Do we trust God? If we don't trust God, we're not going to be able to rejoice in him. That's a tough one for me. You know, it's hard to trust God, you know, to really give it all to him. You know, I think about my new nephew, you know, and we, unsure about, you know, whether he was going to make it for a little while there. You know, do I trust God? Can I rejoice in him? knowing that he's in control of that little baby Isaiah's life. Because if I'm not trusting God, I'm not going to be able to rejoice in him and all of that he does and all that he knows. We, our job is to trust and obey because only then will we be able to have peace, have confidence, and true contentment and happiness. Otherwise, we're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to fashion ourselves. We're trying to maintain control. But He has the control. And the only way we can be part of that is to obey Him and follow His word and His will. Then we will have peace and we will be able to praise Him for all that He does. All that He does. The good and the bad, the Seemingly good and bad. We tend to look at it through human eyes. But God is in control of all things and he knows all things. And so we are to rest in his sovereign will. That he knows all things. So even, you know, if young baby Isaiah, if he, had, if he didn't make it. Or, or death comes at any point, you know. Rejoice in the Lord for he is good. He's good. That's the end of it, you know. But if we don't, it's hard to settle in that. It's hard to rest in that. It's hard to trust. God is good. But we tend to, we define good by our, our understanding of good. What we think is good and we say is good or what humanity says is good or our nation says is good. But biblically, to be good is to be complete. God is complete. He is whole. He's just. He's everything. He knows everything. Thus, he is good. That's why Yeshua said, and he said, good teacher. And he said, there is none good but God. Only God is complete. He knows all things. And because he is that, we can rejoice in him through whatever happens. You know, because we don't know all things. We don't know how God can use things. We don't know, oftentimes, you know, someone may spend their whole lives suffering, you know, imprisoned or dies earlier, who knows, but we don't know what God will use that for later on. We don't know what generational impact it may have, even if we see no fruit from it 
in our own lifetime, in our own walk, if we, you know, work a terrible, quote unquote, terrible job, see no fruit, everybody hates God, you know, our family isn't what we love or whatever, we don't know what could happen down the road. We don't know. Someone says, you know, Fred didn't really ever celebrate Christmas, huh? you know, merrily. And the kids in their homeschool group, you know, were the only ones that didn't. That's interesting. You know, we just don't know what God's going to do. But if we rest in Him, that he, if we trust Him, that He is good, that He is complete, then we can have true joy and true rejoicing. 22. Let thy mercy, O Yehovah, be upon us according as we hope in thee. You know, he is a merciful God. You know, that's why we're not consumed. He's very, he's incredibly long-suffering. I mean, you read the Tanakh. You know, that was the thing that I remember the first time I really paid attention as I read through, uh, you know, the Old Testament. And, and oftentimes I'd, it had been said and talked about how, you know, God was a pretty angry, vengeful, bloody God in the Old Testament. And I remember when I first read through it, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, God was overly patient and he still is overly patient with all of us in long suffering he's incredibly merciful unto us and does not deliver unto us what we deserve and so we can hope in him because of it so let thy mercy O Yehovah be upon us according as we hope in thee so I hope this psalm has been a blessing to you guys and it was a blessing to me and just so pertinent for all time. You know, that's a beautiful thing about God's Word. It is so applicable for all times and all situations. And, and obviously, because He wrote it and He's eternal. Um, but I don't know, just every time I come to it, it's just refreshingly alive, you know, and nourishing. And, and I'm so thankful, you know, that He doesn't change, that He is trustworthy. You know, I don't guess I didn't even really realize it subliminally before, but, you know, being raised with, you know, brought up in a Christian system that basically teaches you God changed his mind halfway through, I believe that that does something to you subconsciously, whether you really realize it or not. Because how can you trust something? That, it's like a parent, you know, who flippantly changes his mind all the time you know, you're going to have a dysfunctional household because the parent, the kid's not going to know, you know, what mood is dad in today? You know, but thankfully God is not like us. Uh, you know, parents who mess up, you know, God's perfect and trustworthy and consistent and he doesn't change. And so, um, you know, it's just so, I don't know, comforting and reassuring and strengthening and you know and I feel like God is I, I I feel too that God is better explained now if that makes sense you know like it you know it just pulls all the scripture together and and, and gives it consistency and harmony you know and I think to me now such a better I have such a better understanding and walk with God that I can you know explain it and um uh, uh, hopefully 
speak on behalf of it to the people in life that I come into contact with that only know what they've been told about the Bible, but they really don't know what God's Word says and does. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this Shabbat. I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the truths in it. Help us to go forth today and the rest of this week and uh, speak on behalf of you and your Word to be a witness, to be a light, to speak the truth of your your wonderful word and how good it is and the truth of it and how you are merciful and trustworthy and that you created all things and you have given us instructions for how to live and and there's there's peace in that and there's joy in that and uh there's hope in that you know outside of of your word and outside of your kingdom Everybody, you're just trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and it's just bound to fail because it's only as good as your own strength, which will wear out, you know, and you can't put your trust in princes and kings and chariots and horses because all that stuff will, will fail. We, we must rely on you and your word that's internal and the only truth. Oh, I just thank you for that, Father, and that we can rely on it, trust it, and and uh, that you have given us, those who follow and believe and trust in Yeshua, as I must say, your spirit to teach us and to bring all things into our remembrance and to guide us and to uh, help us to walk after you, Father. So I just pray for uh, your kingdom would come and that uh, you would work in, on those who we come into contact to in our lives that don't know you, that, that you would work in their hearts and spirits to uh, help them to see your truth and your word and um, they would be saved and converted and believe and um, that you would use us as your lights though imperfect but that they would see Yeshua in us I just thank you for the Shabbat for all these things Father in Yeshua's name I pray Amen, Amen. <clears throat>